I still remember with great fondness the day that I accepted Jesus into my heart as my Lord and Savior. It was June 26, 1988. It was at the end of vacation Bible school and the preacher asked all of the kids to close their eyes. And he told us about how Jesus came to die for our sins and if we believed in him, he would offer us eternal life. And so he asked us a question. He said, if you want to know this Jesus, raise your right hand. So of course I did. Me, 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 I wanna know Jesus. And before I knew it, I was part of an altar call where I was presented with the plan of salvation. It was the first time in my life that someone asked me the same question Jesus asked his disciples. Who do you say that I am? And I responded with Peter, you are the Christ the son of the living God. It is the answer to that question which separates the Christian from everybody else in the world. What makes you a Christian is that you believe that Jesus Christ is not merely the son of a carpenter from Nazareth, a preacher and a teacher and a miracle worker and a prophet, but that you believe that he is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. If you do not believe that, if you do not make that act of faith, then you are not a Christian. When I became a Catholic a few years later, I didn't turn my back on the personal relationship with our Lord that I had started. On the contrary, my faith was enriched, deepened, and made even more vibrant because I came into communion with the church that Jesus himself started. The church that he talks about in Matthew chapter 16. You are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, I had already come to know Jesus in the Bible and in my personal prayer, and now I came to know him on a deeper level as the mystical body of Christ, the church, gathered around Peter and his successors to celebrate the Eucharist, where Jesus was no longer just a memory, a historical personage of the past that I somehow connected with, but he would be present to me as he is present to the entire church, not just in my heart, but body and blood, soul and divinity, in time and space, in the here and now. I had a personal relationship with Jesus from the first time that I said I believed in him. Now I couldn't get much more intimate with him than taking his body and blood 
into me in the Eucharist, allowing me to become not just what, but who I received in the Eucharist. You know, we talk about the seven sacraments of the church. These are powerful encounters with Christ. They aren't just signs of something related to God. God works in, on, and through our souls through them. But the sacraments also presuppose the faith, that we have such a personal relationship with Christ that when He appears in our midst, we gaze at Him and say with St. Thomas, my Lord and my God. These seven life-giving sacraments also help deepen that personal relationship with our Lord. If we just let that experience of the encounter with Christ in the sacraments transform us. Now, there are many Catholics who know what Christ teaches, okay? They would get an A-plus if I quizzed them right now, okay? They know their catechism. They know all the right answers about questions of faith. They even come to the sacraments, sometimes quite regularly. But sometimes it seems that Catholics can be often less enthusiastic than their Christian brothers and sisters in other faith communities who often radiate a profound joy to know their Lord when they don't even belong to the church that He founded or have His sacraments. Sometimes we risk there being a disconnect between the sacramental life of the church and our personal relationship with Jesus. So when we have that disconnect in our lives, it is easy to see the sacramental life of the church as boring, irrelevant, or worse yet, even a falsification of the gospel. But when we see the sacramental life of the church tied up with our own individual relationship with Him, the faith is very powerful not only for ourselves, but our witness to that is powerful for others. The two are not opposed to one another because both faith and the church are gifts of the one God. Now, I want you to think about how you can receive a sacrament validly, but not fruitfully, okay? I mean, you receive the sacrament, it happens, as it were, but yet it doesn't seem to do much in your life. Okay? And how does this happen? Well, a man and a woman may stand before an altar and pledge their love to each other in the sacrament of marriage. And that's a valid marriage. Nothing can dissolve that marriage, not any power on earth, not even the Pope himself but it is only going to be fruitful if they live their lives according to the grace of the sacrament. They seek to be one. They're open to life. Their love is pure and gentle and radiant. 
And if their life is not fruitful, there's nothing lacking in the sacrament, but it can be a sign that there is a lack of a personal relationship with Christ as a couple with everything that means. Another example, you know, there are Catholics who come to Mass and they receive Holy Communion Sunday after Sunday. They fulfill their duty, they check the box, right? And that's not a bad thing, right? We don't want the perfect to be the enemy of the good, right? That's not a bad thing at all. They receive the living God into their bodies and souls. But if we have so many people doing that Sunday in and Sunday out, then doesn't it seem like the world should be just a little bit more on fire for God than it is? Or maybe I'm just not seeing it, and that's my own spiritual blindness. That's entirely possible. But we have to remember that the sacraments are not magic. They are not obligations to fulfill or boxes to check. You know, every time we have a feast day where there is an obligation, and I have to call it a holy day of obligation, I absolutely hate that, right? I love to call these holy days of opportunity, right? Because they're a reminder that God is the author of time, right? And sometimes He wants to break into our ordinary world with extraordinary graces. And that's a beautiful gift that we have in the middle of the week to say, you know what? All that stuff is going to wait. I'm going to celebrate today. It is an obligation, but if that's all that it is, then who cares? For the Eucharist to bear fruit in our lives, okay, it takes more than for us just showing up. Now, we shouldn't despise even just showing up, right? That means at some level we care, or otherwise we wouldn't bother, right? And so that is not something to be despised, but there's so much more that can happen. There's so much more fruitfulness. There's so much more joy that's out there when we approach the sacraments in a personalized way. Think about how different our church would be, both our parish church and the entire Catholic church throughout the world, if every single person who came to Mass on Sunday, first of all, was in the state of grace. If they had prepared the whole week in prayer to receive Jesus. If they had come to Mass early to place themselves in the presence of the Lord, if they had already meditated on the readings and the prayers of the Mass, if they actively participated in every word, gesture, and song of the Mass, both interiorly and exteriorly, if they stayed behind after Mass to make a good act of thanksgiving, and if the whole week they were always going back in their minds and hearts to the mystery they celebrate. What would our churches, our families, our workplaces, our society, our country look like if we nourished the interior life with the sacraments and by a loving relationship with Christ? 
You know, one of the most beloved saints of the Maronite tradition is the Lebanese Saint, Saint Charbel Makruf. And granted, he was a monk, he was a hermit, okay? None of us here are monks and hermits, okay? I don't have that vocation, y'all don't have that vocation unless there's something I don't know. But St. Charbel would celebrate Mass every day at noon, at the heart of the day, and he would spend the entire morning preparing for Mass, and the entire afternoon and evening in thanksgiving for the Mass. Now, we're not called to do that same thing. We're called to imitate not what the saints do, but their virtues. I remember when Father Tomlinson was gone on vacation, I had three Masses every Sunday, like one after another. And at first I thought, wow, I don't want to become kind of burnt out on the act of love that is the Eucharist. And I began to think about the example of St. Charbel. I said, okay, yes, I have three Masses that I have to say, right? But what if I had the 8 o'clock Mass as a preparation for the 10 o'clock Mass and the 12 o'clock Mass as a thanksgiving for the 10 o'clock Mass, right? And saw it that way. And that changed everything. Now, I was still exhausted by the end of the day, but it changed my whole perspective, and it was a great grace. And that was something that came from the example of St. Charbel. But when we reduce the sacraments to just something that we think we have a right to, that's an obligation, well, you gotta go to mass, you gotta go to confession, gotta do this, gotta do that, okay? And then we receive without the proper dispositions, then that's when bad things can begin to happen. Our faith is weakened and it becomes easier to sin. And then we get caught up in the politics of daily life, even in the church. You know, sometimes I'll have someone who comes to me who, I mean, you know, they're believing, practicing Catholics, they believe all this, and they are completely wrapped around the axle about X, Y, Z, A, B, C going on in the country or the world or whatever, and they're just frothing at the mouth about how upset that they are all at it. And I said, you need to pray. But, but, but who's going to do anything about it? God has got this. Shut up, sit down, and be with your Jesus. Right? When we don't do that... We let all of the anxieties and the craziness of this world distract us from the one thing necessary. We find ourselves then exhausted and overwhelmed because we don't have the energy and the power that divine life gives us. You know, Sunday is a day of rest. Now, remember that we're not Jews, right? We don't approach the Sabbath in the same way, right? So our conscience has to decide what is restful and what isn't, okay? For some people, gardening and yard work is restful, right? It's something that gives them joy. It's a beautiful and wonderful thing for them. For me, it's work. I hate it, okay? Okay. So I don't do it on Sundays. I try to get out of it on every day that ends with why. But then we think, well, you know, I can do this and I have a chance enough to do this. And then we arrive at the end of Sunday exhausted because we thought we were actually getting ahead of the game before we went into Monday. And then God says, you know, I rested on the seventh day, right? Who are you? It's okay to be able 
to just do nothing and to be with God and to be with our family and to be with our friends and to be in silence because that gives so much character to everything else we do during the week that's given to us by God to do His will. I'd like to ask you to do something today that you may have never done before. I want you to stay behind after Mass for a while, and I want you to imagine yourself right in front of Jesus, and imagine Him asking you, who do you say that I am? How would you answer Him? And pray for the grace to develop that friendship with Jesus and to really take advantage of the benefits the sacraments lived in the heart of the church can give us.